Good morning. It's good to see all of you guys this morning. So glad you're here in the house of the Lord this morning. All right. You can stand if you would like. We're going to worship God. I'm going to say a prayer. You can go ahead and stand up. Get moving. Get the blood flowing. We're here. We're going to worship. You can move and worship. You know, it's okay. It's all right. Nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> you don't have to, but you can. You can if you want to. All right, Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful morning here with my brothers and sisters. We are so grateful to be gathered here in your presence. Oh, we know that you go with us wherever we are, but there's something special about being here with your people and just with the focused unity of pursuing you, God, to worship you, to hear your word. So we just ask that you would open our hearts this morning, God, for everything that you have for us, that we just choose in this moment to lay our agendas aside, to lay aside our distractions, our, even our needs, the things that we've come in, God, the needs that we have that we know you're going to meet because that's who you are. But we choose just to focus on you, God, in this moment, in this time we've set aside, in this day, in this week, God, just to gaze upon you and to just worship you because you're so worthy, God. And we just want to meditate on the truth of who you are this morning, God. The God who is a father, the God who is also a nurturing mother, that you have spoken in your word, God, that you gather us like a hen gathers her chicks. So this morning, we just want to embrace that side of you. We, we want to be gathered under your wings, God. We want you to show us what nurturing compassion looks like because you are the author of it. You are the author of who we are as men and as women. So we are just so thankful, God, this morning for all the beautiful, wonderful women that you've brought here. And we would just want to thank you for each of them because we're blessed. We are so blessed. And God, just fill this place this morning. I just ask that you would connect with each heart in an intimate and personal way. That we would walk away feeling something different, something special. A moment in time that stands out as a, just a, a special interaction that we had with you today, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. <laughs> If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. The very first word used in this description of God is compassionate, or in Hebrew, rachum. This word also appears as a noun, rachamim, or compassion. And what's fascinating is that both of these words are related to the Hebrew word for womb, rechem. So compassion in the Hebrew Bible is centered on a person's core, and the word invites us to imagine a mother's tender feelings for her vulnerable infant. 
So rahum is a word that conveys intense emotion. Sometimes it's even translated as deeply moved, like in the story of King Solomon, who meets two women who've just given birth. One of their babies sadly dies, but then both women claim that the baby still living is theirs. As a test, Solomon says to cut the baby in two and give each mother a half. And the baby's real mother is deeply moved. She would rather the other woman take her baby than see her child die. And it's her compassion that reveals that she's the true mother. But rahum isn't just an emotional word. It also involves action. And surprisingly, the word is used most often to describe God's actions motivated by his emotions. Like when the Israelites are suffering and oppressed in Egypt, God hears their cries and is compelled by his compassion, his rachamim, to rescue them. Then, as the Israelites travel through the dangerous wilderness, they're hungry and thirsty. And God is Rahum, caring for them as his own child. He provides everything they need, food, water, and clothing, as he personally guides them. So it's no surprise that when Yahweh reveals his character to the Israelites in the wilderness, he begins by saying he's compassionate. But despite Yahweh's continual rachamim, the Israelites turn away from him time and again. They reject Yahweh's compassion and instead give their allegiance to other gods. And rather than showing compassion to each other, they do violence. And their rebellion results in exile and they're scattered among the nations. And it's in this dark moment in Israel's story that we come to the book of Isaiah where Yahweh compares himself to a mother full of rachamim toward her baby. He says, can a mother forget her nursing child or have no compassion or rachamim on the child of her womb? Even if she forgets, I will not forget you. God is full of motherly compassion and he will rescue his people. And as you read further in Isaiah, you realize that God is going to do this by entering into the suffering of humanity. And this points forward to a time when Jesus comes on the scene. He is Yahweh's deep compassion become human. In Greek, the word compassion is oiktirmas. And as Jesus embraces the sick and cares for the outcast, he is deeply moved by human suffering. Jesus compares himself to a mother hen using her wings to shield her chicks from danger as he gathers people into his embrace. And in the ultimate expression of oiktirmas, Jesus is moved by compassion to enter into humanity's suffering, into death itself, to rescue and bring us near to God. And it's this same life of compassion that Jesus calls his followers to imitate, allowing ourselves to be moved by the pain of others, to embrace the hurting and to participate in relieving suffering in the world. In this way, we too can embody the compassion of Yahweh, or in Jesus's words, be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Now you can see how fitting it is that compassionate is the first word God uses to describe himself. So when we're in pain or see others suffering, we can be certain that God is deeply moved to respond and that he's there to meet us with his deep compassion.
this call to worship this morning from Isaiah chapter 49. It says, shout for joy, you heavens. Rejoice, you earth. Burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. (laughs) Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? and have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated, but we are going to continue in an attitude of prayer. This morning, I'm just, uh, what keeps hanging with me is just this overwhelming burden, I guess, um, that each and every one of you here knows that everything we have said about God is true and everything we sing about God is true. And I, I truly hope that each and every one of you here this morning knows that he is the God who sees you and that he is the God who loves you. Would you just close your eyes and sit in that truth this morning? Would you allow yourself to believe this morning that he sees you and he loves you? He is, I believe that he is piercing into our hearts this morning. He is peering in and he wants each and every person to know that he sees what's going on in your life. He knows the burdens that you're carrying. Maybe for some, it's because of, of, of choices that you have made. Maybe there's truth for that. And for others, it's outside of the choices you've made. He sees that too. He sees how, how you have been hurt and how you have been wounded and how your world is quite literally falling apart all around And yet, I believe he wants all of us to hear this morning that he sees you and he loves you. I know that, that the God who is the God of compassion, I know that the God who is compared at times to a mother who loves her children, he sees how hard this day is for a lot of you. He sees that that with this day of special recognition that some will celebrate, many will celebrate, others will celebrate while holding difficult feelings, and many will simply mourn. Many will mourn as they think of their mother who is no longer with them. Many will mourn because this title, mom, is complicated for a lot of people, for a lot of women, for moms, and for those who may not officially hold that title and yet still find it challenging to face this day for whatever reason. God sees you and God loves you. And and he wants to fill those voids that we are acknowledging in this moment. So God, I just invite you into this space. And God, you know exactly what each person is carrying right here, right now. You know the kind of burdens that we've carried into this place. You are well aware of how some of us feel like we are hanging on by a thread. 
God, you see those this morning, whether they are here or not here. You see those this morning who are overwhelmed, those who are hurting, those who feel lost and alone. You see those who are weary and brokenhearted, and God, your word reminds us that when you come into the room with the brokenhearted, that you are overwhelmed with compassion. You are gripped with compassion. And God, you draw near. That's what you do. That's who you are. Even when we pull away from you, even when we push you away, God, you continue to draw near to us. And God, we thank you. We thank you for being a God who is faithful and who shows up for his children just like a mother would. Just like all of those loving and, and faithful moms who, who do anything for their children, who bend over backwards for their children, God, you taught us how to do that. God, that is, that is a trait that you have given us because it's who you are. So God, I pray this morning that each person in this room would truly, not just because I'm saying it, but would truly, only because of your power and your presence, would truly know that they are seen and loved by you. God, I pray that everything else this morning would just follow that truth. That we don't have to do anything. We don't have to say anything. Being loved by you is not something that we earn. It's not something that we can even get rid of. God, it's just the reality. It's the truth that just by being here, we are loved. God, I thank you for loving me when I'm at my most unlovable. God, thank you for giving me a picture, uh, an image of what it looks like to love. God, thank you for giving us a vision of what it looks like to be your people who are compassionate and loving and caring. God, I just pray that you would draw near to each one of us this morning. God, as we open up your word, I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us, that you would guide us, direct us, correct us. God, would you fill us once again with a fresh desire and passion to be who you've called us to be. And God, this morning we just say, Lord, we love you. We love you. And we thank you for loving us. And we pray this 
in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Well, this morning, if you are going to be following along in your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to go ahead and, and pull that up, or if you're pulling that up on your smartphone or your tablet, however, if you're wanting to follow along this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, this morning, we are in week two of a series called Praying Our Way to Pentecost. And Pentecost is coming up in, in a few weeks from now. It's the beginning of June. And until then, we are uh, kind of intentionally walking on this journey where we are uh, just simply praying for, for God to give us new uh, direction, for God to give us new provision, for God to fill us in a new and fresh way so that we know how to go and be the people of God. We recognize that we are utterly dependent upon God. Amen? That, that on our own, we're nothing. On our own, apart from God, we are nothing. And that is the people of God, this, this church community. On our own, we are nothing. We, we need God's constant guidance and direction and, and provision and so that's kind of what we are hoping to slow down and acknowledge over these next few weeks is where is God calling us? Who is God calling us to be? Where is he taking us and the church, the global church? And so through this intentional prayer for direction, we are hoping that we will notice what God is doing in the world. We are hoping that we will notice what God is doing in the world and how he's calling you and I to participate. And so we're praying for the, the future of the global church, but also for the local church. And, and as I was studying this week, I discovered that Matthew chapter 6 has a lot to say uh, about how we pray and what we should pray for and, and what we are acknowledging about God. And so I'm going to ask you to stand this morning for the reading of our key verse. It's, it's short and sweet, and we're going to be kind of working our way up to this verse, but this is to kind of give you direction as to where we're going this morning. We're working our way through Matthew chapter 6 quickly to get to verse 33, which says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Church, this is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So for those of you who are paying attention, we recently uh, went through the Sermon on the Mount during our series throughout the season of Lent. Uh, but we didn't really pause in Matthew chapter 6 for that series because there were actually some things that we looked at in Matthew chapter 6 way back on Ash Wednesday. That seems like ages ago at this point, or maybe it seems like just yesterday, I don't know. But, but on, on Ash Wednesday, we actually looked at a lot of the things in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be kind of looking at it in a different light this morning. But just in case some of you were like, wait, we just went through the Sermon on the Mount. I hope that some of those things that we said plays fresh in your mind as we pause in Matthew chapter 6 this week. 
But Matthew chapter 6, we're going to go through and we're going to kind of first point out some cautions that Jesus gives us. As we are the people of God and as we do what the people of God do, and, and because we love God, we live and act in a certain way. And as we go about doing these things, Jesus gives us some caution. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus describes what our relationship with God ought to look like in a way. And that will then inform how we relate to the world. And our devotion to the former will reveal the latter. In other words, how we relate to God, how we connect with God, how we commune with God will essentially determine how we see what God is doing in the world. And then hopefully we will see how he's calling us to participate. And the beauty of Matthew chapter 6 is that it, it further supports Jesus' message as a whole and Jesus' uh, attention to the most important command, which is to love God and love others, right? That's what we're doing. That everything we do should revolve around loving God with everything we are and then loving others as he's called us to. So here are some things that we ought to keep in mind as we and keep in mind, the focus this morning is we are praying for God's guidance and vision and direction and provision. And so as we do that, here are some things we need to keep in mind as we're praying for those things. There's this caution to be aware of, and Jesus kind of weaves that caution throughout chapter 6, as I mentioned a few moments ago. And he starts out, if you're following along, he starts out with talking about giving to the needy. And, and FYI, Jesus doesn't say if, we, we kind of have talked about that before, but he always says when. In Matthew chapter 6, you'll notice that he often says when you do these things, because the people of God are people who give to those in need. And that's all the time. That's just how we live. There's no limit to that. There's no starting point. There's no ending point. There's no goal to, to reach or to meet. It's just who we are. We give to others and we live a life that just gives and gives away because God has given us everything. Because God has given us everything, then we turn around and give everything we can. Everything we can give. That's time, possessions, financially, whatever. We give it all because God has given to us. And so Jesus assumes that as the people of God, you're going to be worshiping God through living generously, through giving to others always, through giving of yourself, giving yourself away. And so when you do this, he, he warns us, do not call attention to yourselves. The people of God, and I think a lot of times we have good intentions, but I think the caution here, the warning here is to pause and acknowledge what your intentions are. What are your intentions? Are your intentions to, to draw attention to yourselves? Are you looking for recognition or praise? And I'm even really sensitive about this when I try to, you know, kind of publicize what the church is doing. I'm often a little bit sensitive, like, well, why are we doing that? Are we trying to advertise to the world how great we are? Or are we trying to glorify God? And I think we always can pause there and check our heart, check our intentions, what are we doing here, and who are we doing it for? I would say that Jesus would probably say to let our actions speak for themselves. And the one thing we should seek to do is glorify God, and then let your actions speak for themselves. And he goes on, and he says essentially the same thing about prayer and fasting. He says, as people of God, 
You should be doing these things. You should be praying. You should be fasting. These are also forms of worship. This is what the people of God do, and it's certainly what we're focused on uh, specifically over these next several weeks. We are praying, and some of us are fasting as we are hoping to see what God is calling us to do and, and kind of what's next for us. And so as you're doing these things, as you're praying and fasting, he cautions again, don't draw attention to yourselves. Don't let the world know that you're doing these things. Now, we can talk about how we are praying specifically, but it's not like we're walking around patting ourselves on the back like, oh, look how great we are, and oh, I showed up for the prayer time this morning, and oh, this is how I pray. You know, we're not going around bragging. We're just calling attention to, hey, this is what we are doing. We are praying and seeking God's guidance and direction and provision. And I think the thing that we need to understand here is these things, giving and praying and fasting, these things will mold us and shape us. And these things will inform how we relate to the world. We don't have to go around talking about it because the world is just going to see how we live. The world's going to see our actions, and we don't have to go around pointing it out to them, right? And so Jesus is saying, don't do that, because that's what pagans do. He talks about this in Matthew chapter 6. He said, you don't need to do what the pagans do. They're looking for attention. They're looking for praise. They're looking for to be glorified. They're looking for the world to see them as important and, and worthy and impressive, and you don't need to do that. The people of God don't need to do that. The world will notice you because you're different. They'll notice you because of how you live, not because you're calling them to notice you. Jesus says, there's no need to babble on like pagans when you're praying. Since that's what we're talking about, think about when you're praying. You don't need to go on and on and babble and use fancy language and, and try to impress everyone with your long prayers, with big words, and, and repeating yourself over and over again. But Jesus, in this, at this moment, says, instead, there's a particular way you ought to pray. There's a very particular way that the people of God ought to pray, and that's where we come up to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And if you notice, the, the Lord's Prayer is very different from what Jesus has just described. Pagans babbling on and on, using fancy language. The Lord's Prayer is very simple. There's not big, fancy language. It's pretty short and to the point. And Jesus says this is the opposite of how pagans pray. And so I thought we ought to, to read that this morning. I'll read it, and you can follow along on the screen or in your Bible. Jesus says this is how you ought to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Did you know, or do you know, what it means to pray this prayer? First of all, let me just back up a little bit and say, do you know that this is an appropriate prayer to pray I, I think a lot of times we underutilize this prayer. And if people are praying this prayer, I just don't hear about it very often. I even think the church ought to be praying this prayer more often. Some churches that I follow pray this prayer together every single week, and I think that's not a bad idea. 
But this is an absolutely appropriate prayer to pray when you're seeking God's guidance and and direction and provision. When you are looking to be informed on, on how to live in the world as the people of God, this is a perfect prayer to pray. So I wonder, are we, first off, are we underutilizing this perfect prayer that Jesus has given us to pray? And then secondly, as I started off with, do you know what it means to pray this prayer? In other words, when we pray this prayer, here's what we are acknowledging. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, here's what we are acknowledging. We're acknowledging first and foremost that we don't pray this prayer alone. Do you notice the language in this prayer? Not once is it singular. Not once. It's, it's all plural language. We, us, our This is a communal prayer that the people of God are to pray together. That doesn't mean you can't pray it on your own, but it means that as the people of God, we are to come together in this prayer. So we're acknowledging that we're not alone. We don't pray this prayer by ourselves, but as the community of God. We acknowledge that God is our Father, and we acknowledge what that means to us. That means, that indicates a very intimate relationship with the God to whom you are praying. That means you can trust this God. You can have faith in this God, knowing that he hears you, that he loves you, and he cares about you because he calls you to call him Father. And that, that, that tells us that we have a very intimate relationship with this God to whom we are praying. But also, thirdly, we recognize that God's name is honorable, that God's name is worthy. Hallowed be your name. So this indicates both intimacy and recognition that God is sovereign, that God is the one we are seeking his wisdom. We are seeking his direction. We are seeking his will and his way, not our own. That's essentially what we're saying when we pray to God, both our father and also the God of the universe. When we pray this prayer, We are acknowledging, and this one just always stands out to me, we are acknowledging that we are are constantly, actively ought to be looking for the ways that the kingdom of God is breaking in right here and right now. When we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done, what we're actually saying is, God, help me to be aware of how your kingdom is at work and where your kingdom is at work and how I can participate. I love how N.T. Wright, he says this. He says, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we are praying that forces, that idols will be driven back by the power and the victory of God's love. We are praying that the new creation, the age to come, might powerfully rush in so that we experience victory of the kingdom of heaven moments in our contemporary context. So when we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, we're looking for the ways that God's kingdom is breaking in here now. And also, this is where I might encourage you to remember Jesus' Sermon on the Mount as a whole. And just remember that that the Sermon on the Mount as a whole tells us who is first in the kingdom of God and who is last in the kingdom of God, right? I'm not going to go over that again because we just spent several weeks going over that, but But that's going to look awfully different from who the world says is first and who the world says is last. 
when you compare the two, you're going to notice a pretty stark contrast. And then, church, then we will recognize, oh, that's where we are to be. That, that's where we are to be with those people who the world has pushed and cast aside, right? So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we acknowledge God's provision. You are acknowledging that God is going to give you what you need today, And that God is going to always meet your needs and he's going to do so in the right and perfect moment. And you're acknowledging what you need right here and right now. You're acknowledging what you need today, not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. And this is incredibly difficult, especially for those of us who like to be prepared and like to make plans. Thinking about the future terrifies me in terms of preparation, I have no idea. Like, this is where I really have to just say these words and mean them because I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to work out right now, right? I don't know. I'm not totally prepared. And so you're trusting that God is going to meet your needs today without worrying about tomorrow's because he always does, right? And we'll circle back around to that in a moment. We're also recognizing because this is a communal prayer that we're not just praying for my daily needs but I'm praying for others' daily needs and daily bread. And sometimes praying that prayer for other people and God is gonna answer you and God's gonna respond to you and he's gonna show you how to meet those needs because a lot of times God meets these daily needs through his people, right? A lot of times God is calling his people to be a part of the need meeting. Does that make sense? We acknowledge through the Lord's prayer debts, and forgiveness. We acknowledge that we, you and I, have been released of the debt we owe through the price that Christ paid for us. That has been released. That burden has been lifted. We have been forgiven. We have been released from this incredibly heavy burden, this debt, and now we are empowered to release others. We are empowered through Jesus Christ to forgive others and release them of that burden as well. And finally, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we acknowledge delivery from evil and temptation that is is available to us through God, through Christ. And that it's not, I'm not overly confident in my own abilities to withstand evil and temptation, but instead I'm leaning on the grace of, of God to help me overcome evil and temptations, right? We can't do that on our own. It's only recognizing, only through recognizing that God gives you the strength that you need. So let me just kind of recap what we've talked about so far. In seeking God's guidance, direction, and provision, there's no need to promote ourselves, right? We don't need to go around patting ourselves on the back and promoting ourselves because the world's just going to see it. The world's going to see God in us. We're, we're acknowledging that there's a particular way that we as the people of God ought to pray so that our heart can be aligned with God's. That's what we're doing here. Just so you know, in case you've been tuning out, that's what we're doing here. We are trying to intentionally align our heart with God's heart. Okay? And so there's a particular way we ought to pray so that our heart can be aligned with God's heart. And then finally... And this is what we'll kind of end with. Jesus Jesus teaches us that if this is how we are living, then there's no need to hoard 
There's no need to store up possessions and there's no need to worry. That's kind of the last section of chapter six in a nutshell. You see, when we, the people of God, when we seek God, and when we pray for things like guidance, direction, and provision, what we start to discover is that concerns for wealth and storing up possessions and concerns with earthly things is replaced. That becomes smaller and smaller and more and more dim. And what you see more clearly, that concern is replaced with a desire to wait faithfully for God's provision and trusting him in the necessities for the necessities of life. That's essentially what Matthew 6.33 is saying. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then God's going to give you what you need. All these things that you need for life, all these necessities, God will make sure that you have them. In other words, God is going to take care of you. Do you believe that? Do we really believe that? That God is really going to take care of us? That if we live how God has called us to live, that he's going to take care of us? That if we pay attention to the things in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus says, this is important. (laughs) The Sermon on the Mount is where we take our cues from Jesus. This This is Jesus' first moment in ministry where he says, this is who the people of God are to be. And so if we live in this way, do we believe that God is going to take care of us and provide for our needs? Or do some of us, do we do this? Because I do this sometimes. Do some of us say that we believe, but then we have plan B in the back of our mind just in case he falls through? Yeah. We do that sometimes. Do we actually believe That if we live faithfully and obediently to who Jesus has called us to be, that God will take care of us. And also while recognizing that that's not going to look like the world's way of taking care of us, right? It's going to look different. If we believe, and let me just say also, if your answer is no, that's okay, I mean, like, we should definitely work to get to the root of that and kind of the why. But if your answer is no, I don't believe that God will actually take care of all of my needs, then acknowledge that. Just go ahead and acknowledge that and say that. Say, God, I, I don't trust you. And then we need to work to get to the, re- to the root of that. Why? And that may take some discipleship. That may take some conversation with other Christians, with mature Christians who can help you identify why don't you trust God. But if we do believe that God is faithful and that God will take care of us, then how are we taking care that God's kingdom is realized in the world? That's the question that I want us to ask this morning. If we believe that God will do what Jesus says, that God will take care of us, then how are we, the people of God, taking care that God's kingdom is realized in the world? And see, as we continue to pray for these things, it's going to be difficult if we don't believe or trust that God's actually going to give us all that we need to live this way that he's called us to live. 
In other words, you can't pray for God's guidance and direction and provision and renewal and show up with closed fists, right? You can't do that. We can't do both. You have to instead show up with open hands, receiving whatever it is that God is going to give to you, that direction, that guidance, that provision, and then being ready to go and pour that out into the world around you. whatever that looks like for you. So this morning, as we kind of come to a close in a moment, I want to ask you some questions on a personal, individual level for a moment. And I know that that kind of contradicts the the communal aspect that we are a community, but we also have to address our hearts and where each of us is at individually in our own hearts. And so this morning, I want to ask the individual, what is your ultimate concern? Another way of asking this question that goes along with our verse is, what is it that you are seeking first? Is it God or your bank account? Is it God or your family? Is it God or your personal preferences? Is it God or your desires? What are you seeking first? Is it God or your own personal comfort? Is it God or your safety? Are you seeking God first or what makes the most earthly sense first? And then on a corporate, communal level, as the local church body, if you will, we need to also ask this question of ourselves. We need to ask this question as a local church body. What is our ultimate concern? As we seek to move forward, being the people of God right here, 1901 Lebanon Avenue, Belleville, as we seek God's guidance and direction, we need to ask, what are we seeking first really? Is it really God's guidance and direction, or is it our own bank account? Because I'll just acknowledge this, this is, and this is a problem in a lot of churches, that churches, we like comfortable amounts of money in our bank account because it makes us feel safe and secure and like we can handle anything. And that's, it's a good thing to be responsible and to have money in the bank, but that can also really hinder the mission of God when that's our primary concern. Who are we, the people of God, seeking first? Is it God or our preferences? Is it God or our desires? Is it God or our personal comforts? Are we as a local church body seeking God or what makes the most earthly sense? I'm going to go ahead and call up our church board our newly elected church board leaders to come forward this morning. And I'm just going to ask that you all would just kind of line up right here. And we're missing two today. There was not really a Sunday where we could get everyone here for the next several weeks. So, so this morning we're missing Rick Parks and Stu Leach, but we know that they're going to be here in spirit. But church board, these are our questions that we have to ask for our local church body this morning. That whose mission are we, oh, we're going to come closer together, come closer together. 
I've just been given that guidance and direction. Come closer together. But who are we seeking as a local church? What is it that we are seeking first? I think that these are questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning because we ask our members to show up, to give, and to trust. And we need to make sure that we are also showing up and just giving and trusting God with what is his. And so as we recognize this church board installation this morning, we are recognizing God's method of setting apart certain workers for specific areas of Christian service. And we come to this very holy moment. I know it feels all official, and it is, but it's really a sacred, holy moment where we observe those who have been properly called and selected and chosen to serve the local church for this coming year and really what that means. And just so you all know, like I take this all humbly and seriously myself. I'm constantly aware of, of what this is, right? I want to remind us of God's instructions from, from the Apostle Paul in Romans 12. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And then, this comes the important part, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Because isn't that what we're looking for? As we guide and lead, we're looking for God's will. Then we will know what that is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we, we come to this important moment where you and those two that are not here stand before this altar and take upon yourselves the task of caring for the affairs of the local church. Caring for Nazarene Missions International, Nazarene Youth International, and Nazarene Discipleship International. May you look upon the assignments you now assume as special opportunities for service for your Lord, and may you find joy and spiritual blessing as you perform your respective duties. Church, this is no light task. The development of Christian character is your responsibility, and leading the unsaved to Christ is your highest objective. May God grant each of us the wisdom and strength as we do his work for his glory. I want to challenge each of you to make a personal commitment this morning. I want to challenge you to acknowledge this before God and before all of us here this morning. That in consideration of the confidence placed in me by the church in being selected for the office, I now assume we are all covenanting that we will cultivate a personal relationship with Christ by setting aside dedicated time each day for prayer and scriptural reading. We are covenanting to maintain a high standard of, of Christian living, living your life above reproach in example and in harmony with the ideals and standards of the Church of the Nazarene. We are covenanting to be present, 
to be faithful and present in Sunday school and the Sunday morning worship service. We are covenanting to attend faithfully all properly called meetings of various boards, councils, committees to which you will be called or assigned. And finally, I just want you all to acknowledge that you are a vital part of this organizational structure and leadership of this local church. May you, by example, by precept, and by diligent service, be effective workers in the vineyard of the Lord. May it be so for all of us. And so to you, congregation, you have heard this pledge and this covenant entered into by your church leaders for this coming year. I now charge you as the congregation to be loyal in your support of these individuals. The burdens that have been laid upon them are heavy, and they will need your assistance and your prayers. May you, church congregation, may you always be understanding and tolerant of our shortcomings, because we all have those. May you, congregation, lend assistance joyfully when you are called upon, so that as we work together, our church may be an effective instrument in winning the lost to Christ. So at this time, I'm going to invite all of us to pray. And if those out there, if you just would, if you wanted to extend a hand, that would be great. And would you just spend a few moments praying specifically for the leaders of this church that have been called today? God, we pause in this holy moment and we recognize that it is no light task to be leaders in your church. God, may we recognize that you have called all of us to serve, that no position is more important than the other, that you have called all of us to humbly serve and be faithful in the work of, of Christ, in the work of the local church. But God, as, as these have been designated to, to set aside time and commitment every month, every year, to faithfully show up and serve, God, would you strengthen us? Would you help us to be faithful? God, would you give us wisdom and discernment to know and test what your will for us is as this local church? God, may we unite our hearts. May we be one so that we can clearly see you and who you are calling us to be and how you are calling us to serve. God, I pray that each one of these board members, as they have, have been willing to give up time and they have been willing to commit to the work of a church board, God, would you just bless them? God, would you just bless them, bless their time that they give, and may it be a blessing to them. May this not be seen as a burden, but may this be seen as a joy and a privilege. And may you give them peace and fulfillment as they serve. God, would you help us all to remember that this does not make us anyone special. God, may you humble us Help us to remain humble and know that what we've been called to is faithfully show up, support the work and the ministries here, and to further your kingdom right here, right now. God, it's only by your strength and your wisdom and your power that we will be able to do these things. 
So Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead us, lead pastor and church board together this year and help us to see how you are calling us to serve our local community and the world around us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated. Unless you're on the praise team, then I'm going to call the praise team back up here. (laughs) Church, as we continue to pray for God's guidance and vision and renewal in these weeks leading up to Pentecost, we can't do that without recognizing who God is and who he has called us to be and how he's called us to live. And so my prayer for us this morning as we sing this song, I Surrender All, my prayer is that we truly would be able to do what we're singing. That we would show up before God with open hands and open hearts, not closed off, not skeptical, untrusting, but that we would just show up with all of, all of us, all we are, with open hearts and open hands and, and truly be willing to surrender all for the work and the power and the glory of Jesus and the church. So my prayer for us this morning is that we truly would be able to surrender all. God, would you help us with this? You know this is a struggle for us at times. So God, would you just help us and would you just meet us here as we faithfully show up and give you everything, every part of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
while I still have you standing, Les, can I throw a curveball at you and have you pull up the Lord's Prayer again for us? And church, I would just like to invite us to pray this prayer together this morning. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Les. Appreciate you being on your feet, on your toes. (laughs) on your toes. Well, this morning, uh, before we close, I just want to share a few announcements with you. Um, For those of you who may have missed this message, um, we are, for the remainder of this series, praying our way to Pentecost. Each Sunday morning, we are setting aside some time from 9 to 9.30 Uh, a.m. here in the sanctuary for just a special time of prayer, that that we would, if we are really seeking God's guidance and and direction, provision, and if we're seeking him for a renewed strength, we want to make sure that we are allowing uh, time and space for us to come together and pray corporately as a body. And so uh, thank you to those who showed up this morning, but I just really would like to encourage you to try to make some of these prayer times a priority. And just if you can show up anytime between now and Pentecost from 9 and 930, uh, where we will be praying together as a body. Uh, also, just want to remind you, in case you missed it, that that there is a, a digital download because this this call to prayer, uh, it comes from the Church of the Nazarene, who is calling all of Canada and USA to come together and join this, this call for the half million uh, mobilization. So we're, we're showing up to pray together for God's guidance and direction. And so there's actually a prayer guide where it gives you specific prayers uh, that you can pray for every day, for each day from now until Pentecost. And so uh, we do have a digital download if you're interested in that. Um, And you can scan this QR code, um, but there's also been a link that was sent out a few different ways over this past week. So if you didn't get that and you'd like to get that, let us know. Um, But we are trying to kind of give you a lot of different avenues to gain access to that, okay? Um, Also, and I I shared last week, I won't mention this every week from here to eternity, but because it's new, uh, we are still collecting or we're beginning to collect items for the Operation Christmas Child boxes that we are going to be putting together in partnership with the homeschool group that meets here at the church. And so they're collecting things each month until November. And so it's just going to kind of be a standard practice that we're going to have a... a, um, container out in the foyer along with what we're collecting that month and you can just hopefully get in the routine of showing up each month seeing what it is that we're collecting and then just bringing that and dropping it off. I will not always announce it but it is going to just be something that we're going to kind of expect to see every month but I'll I'll just announce it for a few more weeks just so you um, are aware that we're going to be doing that. And so this is a call for, for the ladies that we are planning to gather together at Kathy Dothager's house on Thursday, May 19th, uh, to gather together for a time of, of fellowship and a meal. And so if you would, sign up in the foyer to just let us know uh, who will be able to come. That's ladies only. We're going to leave the kids at home and the husbands at home, and we're just going to show up and have a good time together, okay? Uh, and so just... Hopefully, you'll be able to join us for that, ladies. So 
I'm going to ask you all to stand together this morning. And I pray, brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that you would carry with you this week. You are seen and loved by God. And may you commune with God and walk with God so that you know how he's calling you to live in the world. May you do that through his strength. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day.